Hello, I'm Laurie. And I'm Steve. And welcome to another episode of This Podcast is Gay. In this podcast, we're talking to members of the LGBT community about their lives and how their sexuality has influenced them. This episode, we're meeting Joy a DJ and LGBT activist based in Folkestone. We thought it would be fun to have a day by the seaside, so we jumped on a train and went down to Folkestone to visit Joy in person. We have now arrived at Folkestone Central. We're walking through some fairly leafy roads. Trying not to get one over. Seaside is just over there, Lauren. Yep. Very nice. We're just saying it feels a little bit like Notting Hill grounds here. Notting Hill by Sea. Notting Hill by Sea. I'm just eating a pre-interview uh, muffin. Oh yeah, tell us how you made your muffins, Laurie. Well, they are um, filled with stuff Steve doesn't like, basically. So um, they've got bananas in, that Steve doesn't like. They've got walnuts in, that Steve doesn't like. And they've got um, dates in, that Steve doesn't like either. So. Um, that's why you made them. That's why I made them, basically. Eat them yeah. I think this is it. Hi there. Hi, Joy. Hello, Joy. Thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. So at the moment, we're just in your living room and at one end of the living room, we've got a massive set of decks. Do you want to describe your setup, Joy? Well, it's as close as I could get to what I used to work on in the 70s and 80s. So I've got two turntables, a mixer and a speaker. The speaker is big enough to play us like a, a church hall or a small club or restaurant or whatever. It's not good for a big disco, but uh, most disco places have got their own speakers now. So that's enough for me. Plus, I've got all my records and other music. Yeah, and how do your neighbours like your uh, <laughs> massive speakers? Well, they don't hear it because I am very considerate. So how did you get into DJing in the first place? I was a teacher in a, a school where we were teaching English to foreign students. And there was already a monthly or twice monthly disco. And the colleague who ran it, John, he was very, very cooperative and asked me if I'd be interested in helping. So I did. And I was there for about 17, 18 years doing it. Also, he was a very, very helpful man in that he said, yes, go ahead, borrow a few records when you want to run the the discos of the um, Canterbury uh, lesbian group. And that's what I did. That was a monthly one and other, other parties. So you became a bit in demand once you got those DJing skills developed. I did, yes. And what is it about DJing that you particularly enjoy? Oh, I just love watching people and making them dance, if I can get them to dance. Sometimes you can tell they they don't want to dance, they want to sit and talk. So it's right, what I'll do then is that, and I'll play that record, etc. Um, and I'll oh, come on, they've been sitting for too long, I'm going to get them up and make, make them dance. And I love watching it. And is there any particular tune that is your sort of go-to song when you need to fill that dance floor? Sweet Dreams, Eurythmics. That always gets people up. And Kylie Can't Get You Out of My Head. 
and a couple of others that I, I love putting out. And, and now I'm getting to know the 90s music better and there's some of that which is really good for getting them dancing. You mentioned lesbian discos. Well, first, just tell us about lesbian discos. Like, it's not something that we really know much about, uh, <laughs> really? being gay. Then how you started DJing there from your international yeah. school where you were working. Well, I was a member of the Canterbury Lesbian Group and we wanted to have some discos and they were able to hire all the equipment. And I said, well, I've got access to the records. And so I started doing that and, and absolutely loved it. And the lesbian discos, it's like I was trying to explain to some people recently. Um, we had an organisation. It was an organisation of local women who were putting together something for the International Women's Day. And we had two discos, one for the under 14 girls and one for over 14 women and of course there were a couple of people that said why women only why are you saying this what's different and i thought well just come and have a look and it was wonderful to watch because it was not a cattle market there were loads of people dancing and there was nobody just sort of going oh yeah like the look of her women were having a good time and when we talk about Obviously, for gay men, Kylie is a bit of an icon. <laughs> Have you found in music that there are any lesbian icons? Well, obviously, Katie Lang, very much so. Uh, Katie Tunstall, and there are a few. Madonna, actually, a lot of a lot of women like Madonna, and she's good to dance to. So there are a few, and there are so many good women vocalists now, and and bands. Of course, oh yes, and Pretenders, and Blondie. There are quite a lot of women musicians that are popular. And do you have a favourite yourself? I think probably of all of them, my favourite... Oh, I think probably Cher. I love Cher. I think she's brilliant. Ooh. And Kylie. I do like Kylie as well. Any particular Cher songs? Believe. Believe. Oh, and Patti Smith. Oh, yes, Patti Smith, like my T-shirt. Very, very much into Patti Smith. Uh, I've heard of about two of those people <laughs> that have just been mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you've really got back into DJing and you've got you've done events, you've got events coming up. How, how do you see your future as a DJ? I'm here available when people want me. I, I'm not a professional DJ in the sense that some of my friends are who have their regular clubs. I've actually DJed in most of the um, places in Folkestone that have it. But very often it's just somebody says, oh, I'm having a birthday party. Would you come? So, yes, I will. Or, look, we've got a big um, festival coming on. Will you play? Yes, I will. That's what I want to do. If people want my kind of music, fine. So you don't have any particular ambitions in terms of, no. you know, a no, I'm too old for that now anyway, I think. And I, I just, I'm never happier than when I'm DJing. I love it. Absolutely love it. I don't dance physically anymore, but um, I do love watching other people dance mm -hmm. and making them dance. Lovely. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. It feels like a good time to maybe sort of talk a little bit about your activism yep. past. And I, I suppose this is an obvious first question. How did you first get involved in equal rights? When I came back to England, I'd been living in Portugal and I came back to find more of an interest in equality and all the isms. And 
I thought, I wonder if I can do anything about this. And it started off with the campaign for homosexual equality. Good old gay news as it was then. I don't know if it still exists, to be honest. They used to have all sorts of information and I found out about CHE and that found out that there was um, a group which met in Kent. So I joined them and it all started from there. And from then, I, my first long-term relationship was with a woman who was very political and I became political with her and we became real feminists and anti-racism, anti all sorts of things. And we used to be off up to London as often as we could go for a march of this and a march for that. And and also the politics came down to Kent. And I think before I met her even, I was with a group of other CHE people and we set up a stall in the local precinct. When I think now, I think, oh God, how did I do that? Because we were so abused. It really was. We were spat at. The men were attacked and people were absolutely dreadful. And then come 2017, I joined the, the group for the Folkestone Pride. I was amazed. We were cheered, people waving flags and saying, go on. And, and it was just so totally different from what, what that would have been about 1980-something. And then my partner at the time, she was a tutor for the Workers' Education Association, WEA, who are all about equality and diversity and supporting things. And she ran some women's studies courses for them. I got involved, and when she had to stop doing it, I took over, and we did women's studies, lesbian studies, all sorts of things connected so from your years of activism, what kind of techniques do you think we need to be using today in order to make sure we don't regress in terms of equal rights? I think it's important to use humour as far as you can. I think it's important to challenge, not sort of, that's rubbish, uh, but in a gentle way. And I have often met somebody and been talking to them and they've come out with a, a remark I've tried to respond with something that they would recognise or try to make them laugh. I think I mentioned the one where I was in a, a conference place waiting for the session on lesbians and I sat at a table with some strangers and one of the women was saying, well, I'm very interested. I mean, I've met my neighbour's son because he's gay, you know, like that. But thankfully, I've never, ever met one of those women. And I just laughed. I said, sorry, sunshine, you have now. And she didn't realise what I was talking about. Everybody else on the table thought I was hilarious. And they explained to her and she was shocked. Huh? What, you you are? I said, yeah. I would never have guessed. I said, that probably is the situation with most of the people around you. Yeah. I suppose a little bit, quite a lot of it is quite often sort of ignorant, Absolutely. like a fear of the unknown. And you also yeah. need, you can point out to people, because I've been told on more than one occasion, but why do you have to keep on throwing your lesbianism into my face? And I say, I don't. I said, but I mean, I see you're wearing a, a wedding ring and you told me all about what you did last weekend with your husband, or you told me that you went on holiday with your boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. I said, I can't do any of that. 
I think it's a lot better now than it used to be, but that is the case. People don't realise it is ignorance in the true sense of the meaning of lack of knowledge. And you have to just point out to them that they are, in fact, doing things which are offensive or ignorant or whatever. So, talking about a little bit more about activism, do you feel that there's a link between feminism and lesbianism? Not that feminists are lesbians at all, but do you feel that some of the challenges faced by both uh, are the same? Yeah, I think once you are involved in one of the isms, Mm. you become aware of the other ones. So I was a lesbian, then I was a feminist, then I was anti-racism, and anti and anti and anti your mind opens and you become aware that the world is not always good for other people and you you'll fight for it you'll work and for them you'll support them and that's what i think i try to do when i was first a feminist we met a lot of women who said huh you think your this is all new but we've been fighting for this for 30 years now i'm saying to all these younger women huh you think you're new we've been fighting for this <laughs> It's always, it goes on and on and on and on. Slightly different things, yes, but they are, it's all there. And prejudice is the same, whether you're talking about anti-Semitism or feminism or whatever. The kind of people who are against all of those have their similar, they have the similar problems in themselves, that they have lack of knowledge, they have possibly some bad experiences, but they have similar problems. One of the things you mentioned to us was that you were involved in fighting for the recognition of Ms. Having been teaching English all my life, language is very important to me. When we started, I suppose it must have been in the 70s we were fighting this, we realised that men never, ever have to say whether they're married, single or what, because they're all Mr. Whereas women are all defined by, are you a Mrs., i.e. you're married, or a miss, you're not married. The word miss for older women, the connotations there, an old spinster, all of those things. Men never had that. So we said we wanted an accurate word. And I don't know who it was, somebody came up with muz. And it means basically, it's a nice way of saying mind your own business. I only wrote muz. And I always insisted that people put muz. Okay, yes, can we, are you Miss or Mrs. Muz? What? Muz, M-S. Oh, but they, I would insist that they put it. I still do have to correct it sometimes. And you said in 2017 that you felt this was the first year you could really feel proud to be gay. Yep, absolutely. Because for many, many years, uh, because of a medical thing, I didn't go out a lot. I didn't have a lot of friends, blah, blah, blah. I just didn't want to go out. I didn't see the world. I wasn't interested in the world. And as soon as they stopped putting me on the the um, medical stuff at that, that point, and they, that was in October, November 2016, and suddenly the whole world was wow, it's bright, it's interesting, it's exciting. Gosh, these people are smiling. They know me, they seem to like me. And I began to get involved again in activism and got into the Older Women Rock, got into the Folkestone Pride, and I was very wary 
about being too open. But everybody else around me seems, yeah, well, yeah, so what? Why, why is it a problem if we're going to march through the town with our rainbow flags and things? And I thought, oh gosh, this is, could be frightening. But I found that it wasn't frightening. And people around us, straight people, as well as all the LGBT people, were totally open about it, totally relaxed. Yes, there are still some awful, awful attacks, and I'm still careful about that, but generally speaking, all the people I know anyway are, are open about it. And Folkestone is a, it's a very exciting place to be, actually. The first 40 years I lived here, I thought it was all right. And the last three years, I think it is fantastic. And what's changed in your perception? I think overall, all the sort of general attitudes have changed. And also Folkestone is a very much an artistic centre. Um, we have a lot of art, uh, writing, music, and all these people are, I think, just naturally more open-minded. And we all mix. Folkestone's not a place where people are competing. It's a place where people are supporting. And I think that's very strong, very noticeable. And I love being with all these people. And when I go to their meetings, there I'm talking to people quite openly. I'm talking about being, D I'm DJing in the local pride. And there's generally not a problem. And you were saying earlier about your parents mm. and your desire to come out to them as being gay. Yeah, I had decided I was going to. I was gradually getting more confident. This was back, still back in the 80s. And I used to go and visit them because they lived in Cornwall. And one day I decided, right, this is it. I'm committed now. I am going to tell them. Oh, we'll just watch the, this programme and then I'll tell them. And we were watching Dynasty. And in that, the gay son was murdered. Whereupon my mother said, huh. Good. All those people like that should die. And so I thought, I don't think I'll tell them now. I'm not going to come out. And I felt so upset because I had a very good relationship in other respects with my parents. And I love hearing the, the stories of, I told my mum and she said, yeah, I know. Or, or yes, dear, so am I. All of this, these kind of stories are wonderful. But nowadays people, they don't need to come out. A lot of women don't. And at the last couple of Pride things, there have been parents with children. Sometimes it's the parent who's the, the gay or the lesbian. Sometimes it's the child. I, it's wonderful. The freedom is much better. How did you experience not being able to come out to your parents? I didn't like being, not dishonest, but having such a big part of my life, which I had to keep secret. You have to, you sort of accept it socially. You say, I'm not going to go out there and tell the world. But you want to be able to say, oh, yes, she and I did this, or we we were very happy about that, and, and so on. Um, so I, I assume that they knew that she existed, but yeah. kind of as a friend, I'm assuming. They thought she was a friend because yeah. we yeah. shared the flat. And she was very much part of my life, but they didn't know that no that sounds yeah. like hard, well, at least they yeah. didn't acknowledge that they knew it put it that way so when we come back to the present day and you think about your sexuality what does that mean to you in terms of who you feel you are i feel i'm myself very much so now i fought being a lesbian for a long time and 
yet I have known since I was a, a, a small child that I liked females. And I tried, I went with men, um, boys and men, but it just didn't work. Um, some lovely people had some nice friends, but it didn't work. And then I discovered women and I realised that's what I wanted. And now I'm totally happy with that. And I, now I've got friends with whom I can talk about it, totally open about it. And we have a joke and we have a laugh and we have a good time. And, and I feel it, I'm being me more than I've ever been before. So the future, is there anything that you particularly like to do that you haven't already? I would like to have another partner. I really would. I would love things from within would change, but you know, the sort of things I, I wish I was not quite so shy. I wish I could be more, not open about my sexuality, but about myself and my interests, my hobbies, conversations. I can always go into work mode and have a discussion with people and conversation, no problem. But if I'm trying to just be me, I, I, I find it I'm too shy to have much of a conversation. I would like to change that. As far as the world is concerned, I want it to be even more open and I want all the, the homophobes. I wish they would just learn, start shutting up. Joy, thank you. It's been fantastic to talk to you today. Well, I've enjoyed talking to you. So thank you. Thank you. So we had a great day in Folkestone. Thank you, Joy, for sharing your stories with us. And we'll be back shortly with another edition of This Podcast Is Gay. Don't forget you can catch us on Twitter at Podcast Is Gay or on Facebook. There's a page called This Podcast Is Gay. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. So until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.